0: Some scientist <laughs> somewhere who knows. never listens to our yeah. podcast is dying just by. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. like Neil deGrasse Tyson like, just <laughs> oh, stopped podcasting. Yeah, it's literally like gave him a in heart protest, attack. Yeah.
1: Um, Hi everybody and welcome to the Human Element, Kara's podcast on modern marketing. I'm so excited to have Connell Byrne, president of iHeart Podcast Network, with me here this morning in Cannes. Super excited to be here. Thank you very much. First timer. Yeah,
0: this is my first Can Lions, and I'm uh, I'm already recovering. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's and the it's first. Like day one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the 12 steps here are <laughs> admit you have a problem and go do it again, and then repeat that like 10 more exactly. times. <laughs> exactly. So let's sort of dive in, because your background is fantastic, so I sort of want to get a bit of that. So tell me a little bit about your journey in the world of pods and yeah. audio, because you're You're truly sort of vested in this space. Yeah. Yeah. I was running content for a
0: site called HowStuffWorks.com about 12 years ago. Mm. And we were a very good, medium-sized website, completely text-based. It's all we did. And I realized one day that I, I felt like our best asset at that company was the 50, 60 people working there. Yeah, Not the content we were necessarily making, but the people. They were some of the smartest people I'd ever met. But more specifically, they had this incredible ability to research, write about, to tell stories about any topic I threw at them, whether it was campaign finance reform or hybrid cars or artificial intelligence. And so I thought to myself, we could take this team of people and put them against different content types and see what stuck. And at the same time that we had this thought, along came podcasting. Just a twinkle in the eye of the internet Only a couple people trying this, a couple really early movers like Adam Carolla, and a couple big companies starting to do it like NPR. But not much. So we launched five or six shows on a lark, we thought we'd try this. It's a pretty easy medium to get into. It's not cost prohibitive. And suddenly we, have, we had shows that went on to become the bedrock of our company. Yeah, And maybe to some extent the bedrock of podcasting, period. Like you had shows like Stuff You Should Know yep. that last year passed a billion downloads to date. It's 10 years of publishing. Just a crazy phenomenon. We trail of, that just by a Yeah, a you couple. guys are mm-hmm. right, 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 there. right behind it's it. It's neck and neck. So we built and built over the next 9, 10 years... We looked up and suddenly had, you know, 50 shows, 60 shows yeah. and 60, 70 million downloads a month. In parallel to all of that, iHeart was obviously always tracking yeah. where is audio going? What is the next form of audio that we need to dominate as the biggest audio company in the in the country? And so in its own right, iHeart had been building a really good slate of shows, about a hundred shows, some of which were original shows like the BobbyCast that Bobby Bones produces out of Nashville, some of which were broadcast radio shows that were getting redistributed on on podcasting, like The Breakfast Club out of New York, which, independent of being a broadcast radio show, is now also one of the top 20 consumed podcasts in in the world. It's phenomenal. So iHeart finally decided about a year and a half ago, we want to become the dominant player in podcasting. They looked out at the landscape, they acquired Stuff Media was the name of our company, yep. and we came in to become what you'll hear us call the iHeart Podcast Network. Last October, we closed that acquisition. It's a pretty amazing story. Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a ride in the best way possible, and we've and I know this sounds like spin. It sounds like what I'm supposed to say. We could not be happier with yeah. our home. We have been. Way back in the day, we've we've had different owners of our company. House yep. of Forks has been owned by a few different companies because it's changed as a company from mm-hmm. a text website to a to a podcast network, a big podcast network. And the fit at iHeart has been nothing short of incredible. Yeah. So a lot of that is because I think at its core, this is a company of storytellers, whether it's. Elvis Duran or Bobby Bones or Charlemagne, all the way up through Bob Pittman to Tom Pullman to John Sykes, the guys that lead this company, it's sort of in their in their bones to tell stories. Yeah. And audio is their favorite way to do it. And so it's it's felt really like a good fit so far.
1: Did you grow up loving radio? Like did you have any interest in that or was the origin truly the idea behind I I'm fascinated by the world and how things operate. I grew up loving audio.
0: My version of that was music. I wanted to be a musician in my early 20s. I was in various rock bands, in and out of rock bands for a while. I was a full-time rock musician for a while. What was the best band name you had? Adam, A-D-O-M. Okay. Um,
1: I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. what we were thinking. but um, Mine was Asheron, which is another river in hell because <laughs> Styx was not <laughs> it was not original enough. Yeah. It's somehow worse than mine. Oh, um, no, it's definitely worse. Yeah. It's 100% yeah, it's, worse.
0: I'm so refreshed right now that we did not have the worst band name ever. So I was into audio in in terms of music, but I mean, a little more broadly, like I come from a family and my family's from Ireland. My mom and dad were born there. These are storytellers. That's what yeah. they do. They live and breathe that. At night, you'll sit around a table and tell stories. So as cheesy as it sounds, I think audio storytelling was just in my blood and I, I loved the power of that, of lighting up the theater of the mind, as it were, in mm. somebody's head when you tell a story and they finish it for you with their own sort of production company that's their brain. That always fascinated me. Yeah. And so I, it
1: doesn't surprise me that this is what I do with my life. When I was growing up, and I distinctly remember this when I was in second grade, third grade, there was a radio show, uh, CBS Mystery Theater, I think is what it was called with E.G. Marshall, which yeah. and they do like the old Edgar Allan Poe stories. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was Friday or Saturday night, I can't remember one or the other. And we'd do these sleepovers, and my friends and I would like listen to this, whenever it was on ten thirty or eleven. Felt late at the time. Yeah terrify ourselves in the dark and then literally like (laughs) I would not get out of my sleeping bag at my buddy's place. But I I was transfixed. I was like, that is this is the best. No, it's incredible. The telltale heart will do that to you every time. You know, like the thumping. I'm like, oh good Lord, I'm never gonna make it. Um so when you think about the the product that you guys make, what makes a great pod? Like is there a five step process? The truth is, there's no formula to it, and that is what
0: makes a great pot. There are a couple bedrock principles, though, that I, oddly I've heard, this is my first Can Lions, but I've heard in the last 48 hours words like authenticity, transparency, candor, and I was talking We've, we've with,
1: indoctrinated you already. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: <laughs> it's intense, but- it seems like, I've heard people say that is the theme of this can, is, is, yeah. is authenticity and, and brands becoming vulnerable and not yeah. being okay, more transparent. And it's funny to me, as I hear that, that is part and parcel of podcasting, that the best podcasts are someone taking their passion or passion project yeah. and wrapping it into a podcast. The most beautiful thing about podcasting right now is it's a totally free medium creatively. Yeah. That goes from Will Farrell and Chelsea Handler and Katie Couric yep. that we do podcasts with all the way down to the big-time podcasters, native podcasters yep. like Jake Brennan and Aaron Mankey. It's very rare that in a medium you get to, to get a little heady about it. You get to create form and content. Mm. So the content, of course, you're making that. But in podcasting, you actually get to structure the format of it too. And when you think about mediums, that's pretty rare. Yeah. Most mediums have pretty regulated or rigid clocks you have to adhere to. Sometimes that's really good. Yep. Iambic pentameter is a good thing sometimes. But that's why I think podcasting is is attracting so many creatives from various other mediums because yep. they're able to come into this and in a way I feel like it reminds them of why they got into the content business to begin it's with. Kneeling. It's so it's so free. But look, we have a show that's been running for 11, 12 years called Stuff You Should Know. Yep. It is the best example of why podcasts work. It's two guys who are good friends, who sit down and have a very genuinely curious conversation about a topic twice a week. They have really tried to stick to being authentic, real, candid with each other, and never tried to turn it into something more formalized or forced. And that's what a podcast is. It doesn't need to be anything more than that necessarily.
1: I think you're bringing a tear to producer Jason's eye right now. Uh,
0: (laughs) He's crying. Like literally, uh,
1: he, he, you know, he's a critical part of what we started here. And when in our initial conversations, we had a lot of discussion about, I think I came from a more frame perspective, shocker, being a strategy person at heart. And he was like, let's do away with whatever that is. And let's just start talking. And, you know, and, and and that has been the most important part of it. Yeah. As you look at your sort of family, right, 200 podcasts deep, if you had to pick a couple that you're like either innovating or best sort of manifest what you think is is interesting, yeah. which which would those be? So there's so many genres in podcasting that are still wide open. Mm.
0: This is what's strange about our medium is that podcasting is getting a lot of oxygen in the room right now. It's, it, it's getting talked about a lot. It's yeah. punching way above its weight. It's all great, yes. but it's punching way above its weight in terms of how aware all of we are yes. about this medium. But when you actually work in the medium, you realize there are whole genres missing from it still. Yeah, There is too much of a focus in our medium on true crime. There's a lot of that. Yeah, While whole genres are missing like food, travel, <laughs> health and wellness really yeah where you would expect there to be 3 4 dozen great podcasts in these genres so we are fixing that we yep. are launching really good food travel business and finance all the genres that make up all these other mediums like like tv and radio yep. and film back to what i love today is back it's a back to the true crime question is i like I like it when we push a genre a little further than I think it is. So there are two examples I'll give in true crime because it's so dominant in our medium right now that we've tried to look at that and say, what don't we like about this genre? And what do we want to do differently? So we launched a show called Happy Face about six months ago. And we sat down before we did the show and tried to figure out what don't we like about the true crime genre in podcasting? Yep. And we kept coming back to this notion that it was a little bit salacious. It felt like a guilty pleasure genre. Mm. And it also glorified maybe the wrong people. Mm. It glorified serial killers and murderers. And so we wanted to do something a little differently. And we found in a host, Melissa Moore, what I thought was a, a way to break this genre a little bit or at least push it a little further. She's the daughter of a man who became known as the happy Face serial killer, mm. who uh, killed a lot of people in very bad ways, and she has survived this mm. and become a pretty remarkably strong person after finding out that's what my dad did. Yeah. Her dad is still alive. He's in jail. And, uh, and she has gone on to become a pretty strong, powerful woman. And so we wanted to tell that story. Yeah. The other example I'll give is a show we launch in a week It's called Insomniac. It's in partnership with Tenderfoot TV that we did Atlanta Monster with. Insomniac is different for us too because it feels like, I call it truer crime. It's showing not just what these serial killers did, but also what that research did to the podcaster doing the show.
1: Mm.
0: It's the closest thing to true detective that I can think about (laughs) in podcasting because what we found was across creating this show, the host of the show started to get deeply affected by the content. Mm. Stopped sleeping as well. Disconnected a little bit from his own family, his kids. And this became really interesting to us in a yeah. way of like, wow, we all love this stuff and we love to listen to yeah. it. And it feels very guilty pleasury, but we're all humans too. And it is yeah. osmotically affecting our brains in ways that maybe we're not aware of. So I found that very interesting. And that's another example of how we're trying to push it further.
1: That's super interesting. Yeah you you brought up obviously there is a ton of clutter's not the right word but there's a lot of spaces that have a lot in it yeah uh, and we've seen this in the internet before right so yeah we get to critical mass then we exceed critical mass then we have sort of the implosion of the star and it becomes a i don't know my you know astronomy that well right. but a red dwarf <laughs> right. or a white dwarf <laughs> or i don't know what it is do you if not worry, do you think about that or the future of where we're headed, and, and say, okay, what is next, such that we can continue, not necessarily the same momentum of this phase, but you know, what do we do the day after the stock market crash? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, there's two hundred fifty thousand podcasts ish on yeah. the iHeartRadio app. There's three or four times that on the Apple Podcast app. There's a lot of podcasts out there today. Yeah. Discovery is a major problem. How do you find new shows that you like and, sh- and will like? Yep. I think there'll be in more and more consolidation in our medium. I'm not saying anything that, that's surprising or new. I think there'll be consolidation. And, but I think that what I would just urge other podcast networks to do is not double down on genres that are sort of easy wins. To try new genres, to make to flesh out the medium a little bit. Kids' content, yep. fiction, travel, food, business yep. and finance, like broaden out this medium a little bit. I don't know that it's great for our medium when the top five shows are all salacious true crime podcasts. Yep. I think it's really great for our medium when the top five shows are a mix of female centric content yep. all the way over to more diverse content about uh, race and politics so
1: that's where i hope we go those things are often highly affected by the business side of the equation if we look in other media often the business side of the equation is what forces us yep. back into csi you know a tumble right, iowa right do you feel those pressures from a business perspective, are you like, look, this is our space and we need to be in some way, shape, or form a protector of it and go do these investments in these other genres. Yes,
0: and it's funny. When we talk to, whether it's ad agencies or directly with brands, they want these other genres and podcasting. It's just not quite there yet. So very real time. Like, we really are launching a pretty incredible slate of food shows. The best storytellers in the world, I truly believe, are rock stars and chefs. Because they both grew up in industries that are chaotic. Yeah. I think it was Bono that said that you start a rock band by accident and you stay in a rock band by design. And that's an incredible statement because it means that everyone trips into the back kitchen and works as a prep. But if you can make a career out of that, there's a story there. For sure. So we thought, this is crazy. Like, why aren't there 20 chefs with podcasts telling their stories about turning their passions into businesses so we're going to launch that in the next 3 months. The irony is there is ad dollars there. Yeah. There are multiple agencies that are like tell us when like yes. we want we want that content. I yeah. don't want to necessarily sponsor yet another true crime podcast. It's odd like the ad dollars are there. I just don't think people are going after it
1: yet. Our industry from an agency perspective, you know, at our best, we create things that are new and different. Yeah. Within parameters. And at our worst, we create what the last person created which right. was new and different. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, on our on our best day we wake up and we and we do that. And mm. on our worst day we feel a lot of pressure and we go right. try to find the second thing that was right. what the first was. Let's change gears a little bit. When you have conversations with CMOs or with marketing folks or with agencies or whatnot. How much of that is sort of new to this newer role, or how much of that has been sort of a continuation of the work you were doing in the past?
0: Totally new. Yeah. A year ago, I was running a podcast company, the biggest independent podcast company. Yep. But still, we had about 60, 65 million downloads a month. We were in a group of about five or six podcast networks like WNYC, Barstool, Us, Radiotopia. Yep. All the same-ish size. Yep each with small sales teams, mostly direct response clients yep. running relatively small businesses. We're now inside the biggest audio company in America running the biggest commercial podcast network in the country. And the best thing that we, Stuff Media, got out of this, I hope I heart got good stuff out of it. <laughs> Two, the best thing we got out of it was, number one, we're able to take our content and put it on the biggest stage in the country. So I can take the first episode of a podcast called Disgraceland, and world premiere it on 200 broadcast radio stations, and then the next morning drop it as a podcast. So just marketing and distribution that I had no access to previously. The second thing that I got was access to a a sales team of 2,000 people who live and breathe building the best audio media plans they can for Mm -hmm. clients every single day. So for us to be able to have conversations with CMO level people at the biggest brands in America as a podcast network has leapt forward my company, but I also kind of think the industry in ways that I still am processing. Like mm. I am having the most exciting conversation. Look, I always believed we were making some of the best content in the world. I believe podcasting is some of the best content in the world, period, in any medium. Yep. What we needed was access to CMO level yep. people at companies that make decisions about where to spend ad dollars. And iHeart has given us that.
1: Let's assume, and I don't know that this is true, but let's assume just for sake of argument that That we've found the right balance in the branded content area? Because I think there are some successes, there are some failures, whatever. Where can brands play in the audio space in a way that is unique to it? Yeah. Such that their voices are authentically reflected in a way that's true to the medium, but also sort of serves some objectives that that they want to accomplish. It's almost insane to the level to which audio has
0: roared back into our lives. (laughs) Yes, after being proclaimed very dead. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, when I look at my own life, it's almost to the extent of like, when you're on a big ship and it slowly turns, you can't really feel the change in direction, but suddenly you're aimed in a different place. (laughs) That's almost how fundamental this shift is. Like when I think of my own life, I now have high tech speakers across my whole house, in different rooms yep. called Alexas, mm-hmm. and that's how I consume most of my content now. Yeah. I dictate emails, everything is audio for me now. Yeah. Beyond just podcasting, which I live and breathe as my job, my life is driven by audio now. Mm. And the extent to which audio has come back into our lives is, is, is nuts. So on top of that, I think you have brands catching up with that concept. Yeah, I think I you have brands just now realizing we, the brand, yep. spend a ton in video or, or whatever, but we, wow, we, we might have missed the fact that audio is a huge new aspect of people's lives again. And we need to treat that with more, more seriousness yeah. creatively, ex- put our best creative teams on it instead of thinking about it as an afterthought.
1: Yeah. Disproportionately so, underinvested. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: now on podcasting, look, the best part about podcasting is the off-the-shelf product for brands in podcasting is incredibly integrated, awesome yeah. ad- ads. Like, that's how podcasting grew up. If you walked into our Sales team tomorrow and said, "Okay, show me a media plan. It would include host red ads. It would yep. feel like what we call in other industries native content. Yep, it's just the off-the-shelf offering mm-hmm. because that's how the medium grew up, which is great. Above and beyond that, we have what I think is probably one of the best branded content engines in the in the industry. So I'll give you a good example. There's a company called Twenty Three and Me. They make that those little sure. DNA kits that'll tell you where you're from or where you're not from." They were an early believer in podcasting. They ran a bunch of ads several years ago and they saw like a lot of DR clients, which they were running ads like. Yep. Incredible performance off of podcasts. At some point they came to us and said, we'd actually like to launch our own show. We feel like we have a brand story that's Mm -hmm. really cool. We're sort of like the Who Do You Think You Are, the TV show could be a podcast because every time somebody takes that test, they find out something surprising about their lives. So we went into a whiteboard session and we developed a show called Spit. Spit is a three-hander. We casted it with a incredible podcast host named Baratunde Thurston. Every single episode we bring through iHeartRadio's network, an incredible celebrity musician, Tim McGraw, Melissa Etheridge. Mm. And then we'll put on the panel a DNA expert, a geneticist that 23andMe will bring to the table. I guess technically this is branded content. It doesn't sound like it. It has dipped in and out of the top 200 podcasts yep. since we launched. It's driven hundreds of thousands of downloads. Yep. It is an awesome pod. We don't treat it as anything different than yep. our 201st podcast yep. in the iHeart Podcast Network. That's a good example of how brands should think about how, how creatively free the medium is. Like it all starts with, well, what do you want to do? And we yep. can build whatever you want. Yep. And, and we can tap the iHeart Radio network of celebrities or we can keep this a a pure OG podcast product if you want to. It's
1: all open. Yeah. That's a really good story. I like that. You know, obviously podcasting has played a, a big role in the DTC revolution, which is a thing we talk about in agencies all the time. Yeah. Right. Like how do we find the clients of tomorrow? We have these cute little sayings. Yeah. Aren't they nice. <laughs> but I do think there's a there's lots of fertile ground in the big quote unquote brands around how they tackle the space and what they do. There's a lot of area there for those brands to get engaged in ways that I think bring out the real flavor and authenticity of, of their brands. Oh, yeah. You know, so if you're, and I'm going to deliberately pick no uh, a non-client, you know, if you're Chase or, yep. you know, J.P. Morgan or your are Proctor, yep. you have enormous attachment and affinity and love and history in and around the brands that you have. Yeah. And that lends itself to all kinds of different spaces. Yeah. But to your earlier point, there is no planning cycle in the current marketing planning frame that says, oh, it's time to talk about audio in a material way and that's put right. investment against that's it. Right. It happens at the end of the cycle when you have three cents and two minutes. And so that's what really has to change. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You you have a
0: medium in podcasting where you can put the best audio storytellers in the world, from Will Ferrell to... Chuck Bryant, who co-hosts Stuff You Should Know. They will take your brand's message, put it in their words, create your ad for you. You have a two to three minute per hour ad load. Yep. You have distribution across the sexiest, hottest platforms today from Apple to the iHeartRadio app. Yep. Your ad load ships with all of it. It's dynamically insertable, so I can test and learn different ad reads. I can geo-target ad reads. I can audience segment now in podcasting. It is certainly one of, if not in my, for my money, yep. the best ad products in media today. Yep. And what you had for a while was the only people who knew about it and kept spending on it were DR clients. Yep. Because the only clients that don't need good demographic data Our DR clients, they just need the campaign to perform. That's right. Drive 100 leads a month and I'll keep spending. So for the first five or six years of our medium, it was built on the backs of DR clients, like 23andMe. And now you have this opening up where the bigger brands are coming in. There is more data, so that's helpful. But the bigger brands are coming in for more brand equity, longer term campaigns, because they're starting to realize to your point i may have missed this hmm. for the for a few years and I, and now it's time to get in and what the dr clients have done is build brands yes i mean there are companies that exist be- it's perfectly copacetic yes. the, the medium exists because of these companies but there are companies that exist because of this medium Because of the strength of the
1: medium, (laughs) yes, like it's kind of amazing. I agree not to fawn over your answer, although it was a great answer. (laughs) Um, But but I agree. I mean, you know, as I sit as a marketer, as I sit and I and I think about it, where are the places that you can still get a disproportionate impact? And I still think audio broadly is a place where you can get a disproportionate impact. You know, with all apologies to television and with all apologies to other digital spaces, it is a place where you can still get. More bang for your buck yeah. for a variety of reasons. Whether it's you enter a genre that is, you know, not developed, or whether you do it with a population that is new to you, or whether you do it in a way that is authentically intertwined with the brand that you have, and yeah. that's super interesting. Yeah, broadcast radio and podcasting
0: are built on the same concept of very simply put, companionship. Yeah, that's code for influencer networks. Like you're an influencer if you have audiences that think of you as their companion, their friend. Nope. And podcasting, the reason, maybe one of the reasons that I feel at home inside iHeart is because they're built on the same principles of podcasting. All podcasting is doing in its best form is taking a page out of broadcast radio's book, out of the book of guys like Ryan and Elvis and Bobby Bones and and Ellen Kay in LA and Charlemagne the God in New York. It's like these guys have millions of listeners, all of whom think they're their friends. Yes. And... Podcasting is the same. The intimacy and authenticity that we talk about in podcasting, to decode that and to unpack that, all that means is that a listener feels intimately connected with a host. They feel like they are friends. Yep. If you have that relationship and you integrate a brand in just the right way, magic can happen for that brand. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think hopefully brands, we're doing our best, like this podcast, to get the word out there of like, this is a medium that you should jump into as fast as you can because it may be one of the best ad products out there.
1: It's so true. So, you know, my little story here is I'm a big Bill Simmons person. I've been a Bill Simmons person from his column, like in the old days. And the reason why I like Simmons is I always felt like he was one of the guys I went to college with. He's so
0: authentic. I sat with him in L.A. and he is—he's—he is this incredible guy. He's an incredible
1: storyteller. And so when I listened to his stuff, and I really couldn't care less about the NBA, right? And he talks about the NBA in a way that you do, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, all right, I'll listen. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I listen to a ton of NBA content because yeah. I'm trapped in the car driving yeah. to the city, and it's—he is a part of my life. Yeah, That's again, very, is, very special. Yeah. yeah, especially, you know, I grew up. Commuting in the Mike and the Mad Dog heyday, yeah, and they were, you know, they were part of my family, yeah. And now that they're gone, I would say Simmons has filled a bit of a void yeah. in that, you know, real, you know, sit around a table, have a beer, talk about sports kind of way. Yeah. Not that that's what people should be worried about yeah. anymore. We've we have bigger problems in the yeah. world. This is a paid endorsement for go do something productive <laughs> with your life. So. You have successfully made it. A, I'm just so glad this boat isn't going anywhere. Yeah, Uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I know, it's docked. I can't even tell you. And B, you have successfully made it to what we unoriginally called the lightning round, which is what Simmons calls this. Love it, great. All right, are you ready? Favorite digital experience, not your own. The New York Times put out a thing
0: like a thousand years ago called Snowfall. They're still doing experiences like this. I think the most recent one they put out was on privacy and hacking on the internet, these experiences are still mind-blowing. Yeah. And it's weird, like, I still don't think there's that many people on the internet doing that kind of thing. It's yep. really mixed media. It works really well for mobile and iPads. And I, I, it's only top of mind because I, I did one just last week where they released a you new know, and I was like, man, these are
1: awesome. They have done a remarkable job in the digital space. Awesome. Best piece of content recently consumed, not your own. I really like the podcast, The Dropout. Hmm. It's
0: about Theranos, the company that yeah. came and, and went in, in sort of a lightning fast way. It's just what good podcasts are all about. The team that made it, we know them and they're great. And, and it's a great story, well told, man. And, and it's so analogous for so many, so many things about American culture and the investment culture and chasing the rabbit and, and it's shocking
1: and scary and all the things a podcast should be. I have not listened to it, but it is on my list. It's great. Did you listen to Maddow's Bagman, the uh, Spearwagon? Yeah, yeah. I found that really interesting. Now, I'm a bit of a Maddowaholic. Yeah, no, she's fantastic. But I thought it was really good. Yeah, it's terrific. Best career advice you've either given or received? What
0: would you do if you didn't have a job? Try to turn that into your job. Most use
1: social platform.
0: I mean, it's Facebook, but... I use social media less and less, to be honest. I, I was a pretty avid social media user, and I and I liked new social media products the minute they came out from yep. Boomerang to Vine. I really liked Vine. Uh, I liked Vine for comedy, actually. I get that a lot. Yeah, it's interesting. When Vine went away, I was oddly sad. I felt like Vine was the best comedic platform on the internet for a brief moment there just because you had these incredible comedians crunching down their stuff to six seconds. And it was this, you talk about iambic pentameter, like it was an interesting exercise. But I use social media less and less. And uh, these days, like I said, my life is becoming more audio-driven and more word of mouth. There's
1: there's something there. Yeah, it's crazy. There's something there. It feels like we're in the 50s or something, but it's like, (laughs) that's the truth. Thing people should know about you, but they don't.
0: Uh, like I said, I was in a rock band in my 20s, and I think uh, a few rock bands. I think what that teaches you more than anything is is just working with other humans in mm-hmm. a chaotic environment, which, if we're being honest, is what any good job is. Good jobs should be driven by chaos and and managed chaos as best you can with, if you're in any kind of senior position at all, just getting people to do their best work. And it's funny, like, I feel like the rock industry is a great prep for that.
1: That'd be the thing to know. I'm adding one more. In the most seminal moment of your teenage formative years, what is the definitive album for you? Unforgettable Fire. All right. I knew I liked you from the jump, but now forget it. We're friends forever. I I listen to Unforgettable Fire once a week,
0: there's a stretch right in the middle of Unforgettable Fire where uh, they go into. It's funny because you used to listen to albums and then cassettes and yep. you'd have to flip the tape. But the end of side one is sort of an instrumental. And then the beginning of side two is a pretty, pretty instrumentally song. And then it goes into. So you've been in instrumental land for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's as experimental as an album could be for a band coming out of war yep. and going into Joshua Tree. Yep. And coming out of that several minutes, five, six minutes of instrumental music, you hear the first delayed, dripping sounds of bad, the song bad. And it's just one of those moments where you're like, this is brilliant. And it's
1: it's really inspiring. That album is is, is amazing. Some friends and I, about 15 years ago, made the definitive top 20 songs of our lifetime at that point. And that was on it? That was number one and it's still to this day my single favorite song in the history of mankind. It's an incredible song, man. And it is on Every running playlist I make. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Without a doubt, this is one of my favorite podcasts. So thank you so much, you this is I, I, really I, I could do it. this for hours. Yeah. So thanks so much for giving us time. I appreciate and it. And thanks so much for the lovely surround the nautical this is crazy, surroundings. Right? Yeah, right. we're on a boat in Canned Lions. For those of you that can't see
0: <laughs> to trigger the theory of the mind, we're docked in Canned Lions right now yeah. on a on a beautiful boat. And that's uh it, life is
1: tough. It, yeah, it's, it it could be worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, everybody. That is a wrap for this episode of The Human Element. We will be back out to you very soon. Remember, you can find us anywhere you find your pods. And please, if you feel so motivated, subscribe or perish the thought. Give us a like. Thanks so much. See you soon.